Hello and welcome back to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Sal Guitar, and as always, I'm here with our brother, Neil. How are you doing, Neil? Uh, good, good. I'm a little bit under the weather, though, so I apologize in advance if I uh, cough or sneeze during the podcast. Right, so we're going to kick things off with talking about the women's national team. Of course, on Monday, they beat Colombia 2-0 in the round of 16 of the Women's World Cup with, with the help of goals from Alex Morgan and Carly Lloyd. So, yeah. overall, what did you think of this match? Uh, you know, it was... Uh, it wasn't a great match to watch. Uh, of course, Columbia got red-carded very early on in the second half, which led to uh, Abby Wambach's miss penalty. Um, I mean, the U.S. looked good defensively. Um, I think they did what they wanted to do. They looked for long balls. They looked for long diagonal balls. Um, and they looked to contain some of Columbia's uh, more uh, technical, technically gifted players and exciting players uh, by having more defenders back. Um, and, you know, look to take their chances by uh, um, sending in long balls for Wambach and Morgan. Um, so I think they executed the game plan correctly. Um, it wasn't exciting, uh, exciting for U.S. fans to watch, and it, um, frankly, a lot of fans were not happy with the U.S. performance. But, you know, they got through. They won 2-0. Um, and, you know, I think it's important to realize that this is the style they're going to play. Um, and I know I was mad about it last time, but it doesn't seem like that's going to change. And it's working, and it's, and it's probably going to work against China. Um, so, you know, if we, if we look at the past games, we beat Australia 3-1, to one, and they ended up beating Brazil in the round of 16. So, um, you know, the style's working. Um, until, until it stops to work, I, I don't really see Alice messing with it, especially against this China team. I know you've been talking about how you want Abby Wambach on the bench moving forward. She missed a penalty in this game. She did score against Nigeria, but do you think that's going to change? Or um, okay, well, let me clarify. I think I think she is holding the team back as a whole. Um, but I think against China, she has to play just because of the way China is set up. And uh, in this game, more than than any other game in the tournament, we should be playing long balls forward. So this is the game where Wambach really can shine. I don't think she's better than any of the other strikers on the team at this point. Obviously, she's done a lot for U.S. soccer um, and for the women's national team. She's, the, she's what, the most prolific scorer for men's and women's um, and the leading scorer in international history for U.S. men's and women's, to clarify. Um, and, yeah, she's the leading scorer in women's soccer history on the international stage. Um, so she's done a lot for the national team. I think, you know, centering our whole attack around her can be a little bit dangerous, except against China. It'll be dangerous in the semifinal if we get there. So I think that's that's where we need to go with the 4-4-2. I know people are talking about doing a 4-3-3 with maybe Wambach, Morgan, and LaRue up top, or press uh, LaRue and Morgan up top. Which is what you said in the last episode. Right, right. And maybe put Johnston, Julie Johnston. I said Shannon Box last time, but Julie Johnston, who's been great at center back as the number six. <coughs> Excuse me. But I think, you know, for, for against China, this is the way to go. The 4-4-2, long balls. It's going to be the same type of game. Predictions? Uh, I think the U.S. wins 2-0 again. Um, so the Chinese team, you know, people are calling them very disciplined and very organized. But if you watch them, they're really not that way. Um, they, you know, they have decent defenders, but really they can be caught out at times, which is how teams have scored. Uh, I mean, of course, that's going to happen, but it's not really like it's just four defenders who are very well organized who can stop any attack. It's because they do have those two defensive midfielders sitting right in front of the defenders, so they look for the counterattack. So it's 
they, they, they're doing what the U.S. has been doing, except not as well, um, because, you know, they're just not, they're not as good as the U.S., and they're not as good as they were 15, 16 years ago. Um, but I think they will, I think the U.S. will win 2 nothing just because we have more technically gifted players. I think Christian Press will provide uh, a good change of pace in the absence of Rapino. Obviously, Rapino has been the best attacking player on the team, but uh, Press is faster. She, she can't deliver a cross uh, quite as well as uh, Rapino. I think Morgan Bryan is, is a completely different uh, player than Holiday, Lauren Holiday, who's also suspended, um, along with Rapino. She likes to connect passes in the midfield, while both Lloyd and Holiday like to uh, go for long passes. They're very, very similar. So with Morgan Bryan there connecting passes, that might open up some some chances for Carly Lloyd from distance, which she's done so well in the past. She finally got her first shot off from distance in the last game. So I wouldn't be surprised if Lloyd would just score from distance. I think maybe a, a goal from Morgan um, from across. Um, yeah, so I think I think 2 nothing is, is a good bet. Uh, lastly, with the women's, we talked about how a lot of fans were displeased with the performance in not just the Columbia game, but really any of the games so far. And you say, what we're doing right now is good enough to beat China, but do you think it's good enough to win the Women's World Cup, which is what um, our goal should be with the well, state of women's soccer. Germany, I mean, Germany is, I think, the best team in the tournament so far. They're the best team in the world. And we will play them or France in the semifinal, probably Germany, because, <coughs> excuse me again, France, you know, France is just not as good. They have Nassib, who's a fantastic player, but Germany is just firing on all cylinders right now. They beat Sweden, the fourth-ranked team, or the fifth-ranked team in the world, 4-1. to one. I mean, we couldn't even score against Sweden. So, I mean, soccer doesn't work like that. Um, but, uh, you know, do we have what it takes? Yes. Because on a given night, we can outplay Germany. You know, we can defend against Germany. Um, but I think right now, we, j we really just have to focus on beating China because we're missing two of our best players. Um, and, you know, we're not playing that well. If we start to maybe get out of... If, if Lloyd gets that long goal, if... Um, you know, Brian maybe does something fantastic and, you know, we get something going and maybe get a 3-0, 4-1 win, then maybe from there we can, you know, we can go into Germany as a more confident group with the country on their side as opposed to all these, all the negative energy surrounding the team. Um, one other thing is Wambach needs to keep her mouth shut. I don't know if you've heard about this, but she was blaming the referee for targeting Rapido and Holiday. Like, she so they would be suspended for the next game, even though we got two penalties. So, I, I mean, Wambach, just, I'm sorry, Abby. You need to, I mean, you're a wonderful player, but, you know, just talk about the turf, talk about the referees, just focus on your game. Um, and if, if she if she needs to play well, she really does. So, and, and if that happens, in, in, we can win the tournament. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be tough, but I think we do have what it takes just based on our talent. Switching over to the men's side of things, the Gold Cup roster for the group stage was recently announced, and 17 out of the 23 players that were in the roster were in last summer's World Cup squad. So, right away, what big snubs do you see? Uh, well, a lot of people are saying Matt Beasler, um, which, is which is probably the biggest one. Um, so, Beasler's there, um, and of course, uh, Greg Garza and Breck Shea, and also Demarcus Beasley, all three of those left back options are there. So our options right now at, at left back are Timmy Chandler and Fabian Johnson. At least for the group stages, it's important to note um, that you can that your men can switch out six players after the group stages. Um, 
But you know, I'm really disappointed not to see Juan Agudelo or Lee win. I think they're just dynamic players that could add a lot to the national team, um, especially Lee Wynn. Uh, we don't play with that number 10. It, I think it would be really beneficial for us to play like that. That being said, play with a player like that. That being said, he wouldn't get in the team with Bradley and Dempsey there, but he'd be a great change of pace off the bench. So um, those two are definitely my biggest um, snubs because I think Beasler will be there in the next round, but the other two won't be. So when you talk about the forwards for the national team, of course, not everyone's been called up to the friendlies over the past six months or so. So we've seen a lot of different shapes up there. Who do you expect to see starting most of the games up top? Uh, Altidore and Dempsey. I don't think there's really that much else to say. There are two best forwards. Um, and I think Zardes will start on the wing. He's listed as a midfielder. Uh, interesting that Yedlin's in, uh, listed as a midfielder and Fabian Johnson is listed as a defender too. So those are some interesting... Even though Johansson's been playing a bit more consistently than the two of them? I mean, Josie. Dempsey, for sure. Josie, also for sure. I mean, uh, Johansson's not getting in the starting lineup. As much as you like him, too. <laughs> Who are some players on the roster that surprised you? Um, I think Brad Evans is one. I'm definitely excited to see him. Um, I thought he was awesome. Fantastic against Germany. He held down that side, uh, provided the game-winning assist. Uh, same with defenders Tim Ream. Actually, Tim Ream's another left back option. I should say that he he could be he could start left back. That would be totally out of the blue. But he's a great player. He's won Bolton Player of the Year I think twice now, um, and he just extended his contract with them. Um, moving into the midfield, uh, Brad Davis and Graham Zusi back with the national team. I mean, Davis is a left footed player that we might need. Zusi is one of Klinsman's favorites, and then up top Wondolowski, also one of Klinsman's favorites, can do it against Concacaf competition, but with Altidore Johansson and Wondolowski there, I mean, those are really our only three f true forwards, so that leaves us kind of thin there, because Dempsey is plays behind the striker, really. Uh, we do have Zardes who can slot up top two, though, as I said. Um, but yeah, those are, I think, Wondolowski, uh, Zuzi, Davis, um, Evans, and Reem are my, are my biggest surprises. To me, Davis surprised me. I just think that what does he bring to the squad that was needed? A left foot and a free kick taker. That's Fair what enough. He brings. Set Fair and enough. set pieces. Well, Michael Bradley's been doing well on set pieces. Uh, from quarter kicks, but I mean, when's the last time a U.S. national team player scored from a free kick? Breck Shea, who's not oh, there. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's left foot. And before that, Josie Altador against Bosnia. Uh, so if we get those into those dangerous positions and Davis happens to be in the game, um, having a left-footed player who can hit free, a free kick like that is, is absolutely huge. Um... I mean, you're right, I don't really see why he's there. But if we are playing that 4-4-2 diamond, I mean, he's better in that, like, compact formation. Uh, and he can pinch in centrally and let J Johnson and Chandler uh, move up on the wings. Same, same thing with Zuzi. They're more central wide players. The U.S. national team play Guatemala on a friendly on July 3rd, and then kick off their Gold Cup campaign against Honduras on July 7th. We'll have a Gold Cup preview exclusive episode later. We talked about the Gold Cup roster. Now let's talk about the captain of the U.S. men's national team. While we were gone in the U.S. Open Cup match against the Portland Timbers, he ripped up a referee's notebook after taking it from him. And long story short, he was suspended three games. This obviously won't affect his playtime in the Gold Cup. But um, this is not his first offense. So what do you think about Clint Dempsey as a character? Should he be the captain for the U.S. national team? Uh, well, before I get into that, let's talk about the suspension a little bit. Because it's three games in MLS. And of course, this, is, this wasn't an MLS competition. Uh, today, actually, uh, U.S. Soccer handed down 
another band six games in the U.S. Open Cup or two years, whichever is longer. So, um, if so, like if they play eight games in the next two years, it'll be eight games. Um, but if they, yeah. So you know, that's at least a little bit better. But the three games is was the, I, I initially just did not seem like enough. But that's in MLS, um, so I guess that's worth noting. Um, as far as whether he should be captain. I never thought he should have been captain in the first place, but I think he should be captain for this Gold Cup just because of the timing. Uh, I think it's good for the continuity of the team and for the national team to have a captain. You know, if, if, if Klinsman takes away the armband and gives it to Bradley, who should be the next captain, then maybe that creates some animosity between the two best players in our national team, and we really don't want that. Uh, but, I mean, what do, you, what do you think? I mean, I think before the World Cup, when Jurgen Klinsmann deemed Clint Dempsey the captain, I think he said, because of how he's acted previously, that this is kind of gives him a motive to not act out on the pitch. So, I don't know, maybe when he's wearing a U.S. national team jersey, he'll think first before doing all this stupid crap. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I guess we didn't really mention it. He was banned three games, you say, because he ripped up the record. Yeah, yeah, okay. um, yeah, definitely. I think, you know... I guess that's good by Clinton, but Michael Bradley is definitely the natural leader in the group. And, I mean, he could be the, the, the uh, captain for the next ten years for the national team, or eight years, however long he plays. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I, I know, like I, like I said, I don't, think he's, I don't think he's a great player. He's not a vocal leader. Um, but, I mean, the t- his teammates seem to like him. You know, he's a, he's a guy you love to have on your team but hate to face. Um, and, you know... He is one of our two, top two or three best players in the pool right now. And like I said, for continuity's sake and to limit animosity in the locker room, keep the armband with Clint. So Dempsey's club team, Seattle Sounders, lost against Philadelphia Union last night, 0-1 in MLS action. What do you think about this game? Um, well, I mean, they were on the road, so it's not the easiest of games. And of course, they're missing Dempsey like we just talked about. And they're missing Obafemi Martins. Um, but, you know, Philadelphia um, got absolutely destroyed by L.A. Um, on the weekend uh, after a good string of results. So, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to tell where Philadelphia stands right now. Uh, as of now, they've played 18 games, which is second most in the East, and they're sitting in uh, seventh place ahead of Montreal and New York. Um, and just one point above those two who can easily catch up. Montreal has only played 13 games, and NYCFC has only played 16 um, but, you know, they have some young talent in um, Zach Pfeffer. Um, uh, they have to f- figure out the goalkeeping situation. Um, but, you know, it's a good win for them. It's a good confidence booster for them going forward. Um, CJ Sapong scored in this game. He's been on fire ever since his DUI incident. Um, a great, great trade uh, that they got. Um, they got him from Kansas City, Sporting KC. Um, they needed a striker after trading away Jack McInerney, and he's he's uh, been great this year. Um, but yeah, it's a good win for them. You know, Seattle's going to struggle over the next month, or a little bit more than that, with Dempsey out for his suspension and the Gold Cup. And Brad Evans. And Brad Evans will be gone, yeah. Uh, who's actually going to play center back this year for them. Um, and also, Obafemi Martin's out. So, it's going to be tough for them, but uh, if they can get through it and stay at the top of the West, uh, they'll be just fine come playoff time. In other MLS news, Columbus, fifth-place team in the East, and New England Revolution, second-place team, faced off, and Columbus won. A bit of an upset there. What did you think about that game? 
Uh, I mean, it was a very, very exciting game. Lee Wynn scored 33 seconds into the game, and then Kai Kamara answers back three minutes later. Um, you know, it's a, they're building a bit of a rivalry ever since last year's uh, Eastern Conference Finals, uh, which we were at, by the yeah. way. It was freezing. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a very, very, very good result for Columbus. Uh, they were sort of reeling as well. Uh, I think their last win before this was May 18th, somewhere in May. I mean, it's been quite a while. Uh, Lee Wynn proving that he would have been an asset to the U.S. national team. Kai Kamara with a brace in this game. Uh, and now he has 12 goals on the season, which leads the league. Absolutely fantastic, fantastic buy from Middlesbrough for Columbus, the former Sporting KC man. Um, he's been, I mean, they needed a striker. They had no strikers last year, so he's been great. Federico Higuain was big in this game again. Um, he created a lot. Ethan Finley um, didn't get an assist, but he leads the league with nine assists too. So they have the goal leader and the assist leader. And Finley's another guy who... The, who Klinsman should look at, especially since he's eligible for Canada. Um, and if Canada keeps on knocking on his door, that could definitely happen. Not, you know, not a terrible result for New England on the road. They're still second in the East. Um, so, you know, they still have probably the most talented team and the deepest team in MLS. I mean, when you have, uh, like, I don't know, you have, some games you have um, Juan Agudelo on the bench and Diego Fagundes on the bench. I mean, what other MLS team has players with that quality on the bench? I mean, they're just they're just a great team, um, and I, I really think they're going to come out of the East um, for MLS Cup. DC United versus Chicago Fire. No surprises here. DC comes out with a one zero win. What do you think about this game? Uh, I mean, it was a pretty uneventful game. Um, Connor Doyle scored the lone goal uh, for DC. An incredible strike from like 30 yards out. Uh, it was an absolute laser. You need to look at that goal. Incredible strike. Uh, pretty uneventful. DC gets a big win on the road. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, not unexpected or expected. Uh, DC stayed at top of the East in first, and Chicago stayed at the bottom of the East in last place. We saw a lot of goals in the Western Conference clash between LA and Portland. All of them from LA, obviously. Um, what do you think of that game? Well, utter, complete and utter domination by LA once again after a huge win against Philadelphia. Five goals, five different scores. I mean, let's look at the rundown here. If I can pull it up, I'm going to pull it up, breaking all the walls. Um, uh, Sebastian Lechet, Lechet, the young American who just came from West Ham, scored. Then Robbie Keane on a penalty kick. Robbie Rogers scores on a gay pride night. Big, big moment for him, his first goal in quite some time. Juninho. First goal for LA. Yeah, yeah, his first goal for LA. And uh, Jose Villarreal after a free kick. So, uh, I mean, Jose Villarreal having a great season. Should be back into the U.S. national team picture. Should be back with the under-23s for qualifying uh, for the Olympics. Was not there at the Toulon tournament. But just, you know, it is how it is in LA. Complete domination. They won't have Zardes or Gonzalez come uh, Gold Cup time. But they will be getting Steven Gerrard. I think, I mean, remember that? Steven Gerrard's coming to L.A. Yeah. So I think um, it's a great win for them. Expected win, even though Portland was on a hot streak. Um, but uh, Portland, you know, Portland, just take this for what it is. A loss against a very good L.A. team on the road. Um, but, you know. It's, 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 they shouldn't be disheartened. They should move forward. They've been playing well, much better as of late. So um, 
Just move forward from this, and, and they'll be fine. I think they'll be in the playoffs. In the New York Red Bulls versus RSL game, Mike Grella scored in the fourth minute to lift the Red Bulls over rail. What do you think about that game? Uh, another uh, fairly uneventful game. Um, New York was able to score that early goal, which is which is really really good to do on the road. Um, and you know they were able to hold on their lead, defend well, um, especially after a disappointing loss after Bradley Wright Phillips missed two penalties, the first player in MLS history to do that. And he was actually perfect on penalties before that game. Um, but a good a good a good win for New York on the road. Real Salt Lake are in eighth now in the West. You know it's kind of surprising to see them out of the playoff picture. We've been so accustomed to seeing them there. Um, they're down, but they're not out. Um, but, you know, just a good win for New York on the road. It's always hard to go out there. Um, and, you know, they should keep on going. I think they're, they're sixth in the East right now. Um, so they're right in that uh, last playoff spot, and they expect them to be there. Um, of course, they were so good at the beginning of the season, but have been disappointing of late, have not been able to get results. Maybe this can jumpstart uh, the, the end of their season. But what they do need to do is buy an attacking player. All this crap about, you know, not buying any more DPs. They need a DP. They need either a number 10 to help Bradley Wright Phillips up top. He was done well. He scored six goals this year. Um, or they need another winger. Uh, they do have Grella who can play on the wing. They have Lloyd Sam who's injured, I believe, right now. Uh, that's a big loss. and uh, He's a fantastic player. So they have them on the wings. And, of course, they have Kletchton um, and Dax McCartney in midfield. Um, but they really, really do need another attacking player uh, if they want to contend for league titles. But Jesse Marshall's done a fantastic job, especially with all the media scrutiny after they fired Mike Pe Pecky in the offseason. Um, but yeah, good result for New York. Uh, hopefully they can, they can uh, build off of this going forward. For the first few weeks of MLS, um, New York Red Bulls were probably the hottest team in, in the whole league. Well, what happened to them since the beginning? Uh, I think, you know, just their lack of star power caught up to them. You know, they're a good team, they play in a good system, but in a league like MLS, you need stars to compete with other stars. Um, you know, Kai Kamara who, and Iguain are two stars. They're, they're carrying Columbus, Lee Wynn, um, Kakaz, and Joe Vinko, and I mean, Toronto has three stars. Uh, and Toronto, uh, and New York is a big market. They need to buy some players, especially to compete with NYCFC, who have Lampard, Villa, and Discarude, and are probably getting Pirlo, and Iraola. <laughs> I mean, they're starting right back in, in La Liga. So, um, you know, Red Bulls are a better team right now than NYCFC, but they really do need to compete. It's something they have to think about. Um, but what happened is just the lack of talent caught up to them. You know, you can't ride streaks like that if you don't have the players to compete with other teams in the East. So, uh, Kletchton's been great. Um, but they do need a star player, a star attacking player to help out Bradley Wright Phillips up top. On the other side of things, we said already that RSL has been kind of disappointing this year in the West. Very disappointing. So will the absence of Kyle Beckerman for the Gold Cup play a role into that slide continuing? Oh, definitely. I mean, he's their best player. He's their captain. Uh, Morales has not been good this year. Um, yeah, short answer is yes. I mean, he's their best player. Um... I mean, I don't see them. I don't see them making the playoffs. Neither do I. The only other game that happened was Colorado Rapids at Orlando City SC. Kyle Laren and Kaká led their home team to the two-zero victory, sitting pretty well at third place as Orlando. Very surprising. What do you think about this game and 
in general, Orlando's stoked? Um, well, Kyle, Kyle Larian has been a fantastic. I mean, you can see why they picked him first overall in the draft. Uh, he has six goals this year. Um, so the rookie, the Canadian rookie, he's a big part. He'll be a big part of the Canadian national team going forward. And Kaká, of course, has been great too. He has eight goals. Um, they played a four-three-three. They actually put Shea on the wing for I think the second game in the row. Uh, they looked very good in the attacking half. Um, Tally Hall came up big, really big, with a one-on-one -on -one save in the first half. Um, I forgot who was one-on-one -on -one with him. Um, but that save really set the tone for the match because if, if Colorado scores that goal, they come back into their defensive shell. They lead the league with nine draws, Colorado does, so they're able to defend very well um, with Shane O'Neill and, um, oh my god, the, the other center back is, his name is escaping me right now. Um, but they have a very good defense. Um, and, you know, so if, if they were able to get that goal, probably talking about a different game, maybe a draw. Um, but, um, after that, Orlando really picked it up. Kaká had a great chance when it was 0-0. He put it off uh, the post uh, from about eight yards out. Um, and then Laren scores off of a nice finish, and Kaká scores uh, a great uh, angled goal. Um, as far as Orlando's season goes, like I said, very, very surprising. You know, a lot of people didn't have them in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, they, they, I mean, they've just been doing really, really well, sitting third in the East. I, I think they'll fall to fifth by the time the season's over. Um, but, I mean, they're doing very, very well. The, the city is really, really behind the team. Um, so, you know, once they get a stadium, I'm really excited to see how they are going forward. And they could be a perennial contender in this league. Yeah. Orlando and NYCFC were two teams that obviously started this MLS season. What makes Orlando the more successful team this season? Um, I think, well, New, York's, New York has the bigger stars or more stars. Uh, but Orlando already had a system. They already had players. They yeah. played in USL. Um, obviously, they have, like, Laren and Kaká and Shea coming in. But he, you know, they had a nucleus. They had a Molino, and I don't know when they got Ramos. I can't remember if they got Ramos this year or when they were a USL team. But just having a coach and an identity and a system and a built-in fan base, you know, all of that stuff is more conducive to a successful team. You have Kaká, who really buys into, uh, you know, the American culture and, the, and MLS. He's always wanted to play here. Versus Villa, who's, I think, having a difficult time um, transitioning. I think he does care about the league, but when you have someone like Kaká who can just put the team on his back without service, he is the service, it's much much better for the team. And the role players around them, just an exciting team. Uh, Seren is very good from midfield. They have Akugo, obviously, who can play center back or right in front. Um, they have Shea, who can play left back. Ramos is a great right back. They have two good goalkeepers. Laren has been a revelation. Uh, Molino is good up top. They just have a lot of good pieces. Of course, they can, they'll can. they continue to improve. They have some good young players. Tyler Turner, who's a 19-year-old American defender. Connor Donovan, who's on that U-20 team. Uh, Tyler Turner was actually in the in the Toulon tournament. Um, so they, they got a young team. Um, they know what they're doing. They have a plan. They already had an identity and a team. So I think that all, that all helps, you know, because Adrian Heath, uh, former Everton star, um, is, the coach, is the coach of this team had a plan before the season, as opposed to Christ, you know, who, before, like, before the season, we knew about Lampard, Mix, and uh, Villa. And Lampard and Pirlo aren't even there yet. So that might not, you know, or Pirlo is not even a sure thing, but Lampard's not even there yet. So we don't know, you know, 
we don't know how the team is going to turn out, you know. So, uh, you know, this is, there's moving pieces. They don't really, uh, they don't really have um, a real identity yet. Christ has been throwing around different formations. They have a plethora of central midfielders, but not a lot of wide midfielders. Grandpa Boy is a good, hardworking player, but he's not someone who can create. And they have Dia, who's alone on the island up top, maybe with Nevich, who's been terrible. Uh, Patrick Mullins, who should play more. I don't know why Mullins is not playing in uh, Shelton, the rookie, uh, who's been decent. Their defense is terrible. Wingert is not a center back. Whereas Orlando's defense has been very, very good. So NYCFC, you know, this season, it's the first season. Expansion teams usually aren't good. I mean, um, Orlando's great, and it looks like they're going to be a real success in this league going forward, and it's great, great for the league to have a star like... Kaká in a city that really buys into the, the team. It's, it's absolutely great for MLS. So let's talk some Copa America. Uh, yesterday in Santiago, Chile faced off against Uruguay. Of course, Chile, the host team, one one zero to advance to the semifinals. Um, what did you think about this game? Obviously, the big story from this game is Hara sticking his uh, finger up Cavani's butt and then Cavani not even touching Hara and being sent off on a second yellow card. Um, so, I mean, absolutely disgraceful. Disgraceful from Chile. Chile ought to be ashamed of themselves. They're the best team in the tournament. They're going to win it. Either them or they or Argentina are going to win it. They're the best team or because of the home advantage? Well, everything. They're, they're the team that's going to win it, I think. Okay. And, um, oh, I mean, Argentina's... I mean, in terms of individual talent, I don't think Chile's the best team. Uh, well, I think, I think they're up there with Argentina. Especially since Vidal's there. Vidal should not even be playing in this tournament. He, he, oh my god, he was... He was drunk and driving. He was with people in his car. He could have killed himself. He could have killed the people in his car. And he's endangering everyone on the road. And Neymar gets banned for three games for that. For I mean, for something so mild. And Vidal could have killed someone. And he's being, he's not. He doesn't get a, any suspension. And now Cavani gets red carded or second yellow for not even touching Hara after getting his finger up his butt. Um, and he has a three-game ban now. Do you know that? In South yeah. American competition, so hopefully there's some mechanism where they can appeal that process or something. But you know it's absolutely ridiculous. The referee has been horrendous in this tournament. It's exciting soccer, but you know it's just a shame. Um, I think the whole logic with the bands, and not that I agree with this, is that if it happens on the field, then the confederation or whatever feels more responsible for it. So you ban more. Okay, yeah, the conf- maybe the confederation should be banning, but Chile should be the Chile federation should be banning. Vidal. Yeah. I mean, just like Dempsey shouldn't be in the Gold Cup, Vidal should be in this Copa America. But, you know, a very, very... I mean, it was uh, not a great game, but, you know, um, Chile was Chile was able to score. Uh, uh, Isla scored. Um, so, in the 81st minute, they were able to get that goal. Um, and they were able to hold on for a win, and they'll play Peru in the, uh, in the semifinals. Yeah. Speaking of that match, Bolivia and Peru faced off in Temuco. Peru won 3-0 because of a Guerrero hat-trick. Uh, what do you think about this game? Well, Peru has Peru and Bolivia have both been very surprising in this tournament. Peru especially. They got a big win early. Um, almost uh, almost beat Brazil. Um, or almost drew Brazil, that is. Uh, Guerrero, a great player. He's been all over the world. He's played for Munich, Hoffenheim, Corinthians, and he gets a hat-trick. He's 31 years old. He has a... Uh, 24 goals and 61 appearances for Peru. So he's, you know, he's a good, he's a great player, um, and they were able to ride his back um, 
into the semifinal against Chile. And if they can pull it off, uh, good for them. You know, it's, it's nice to see some other teams succeeding uh, in, um, in Copa America. On the other side of the bracket, one of the matches is Argentina versus Colombia. That's going to be tomorrow, Friday. Uh, a lot of talent on the field. Who do you think is going to win this game? Uh, I think Argentina is going to win this game. Colombia has been uninspired, and they haven't been good this tournament, which is why they're playing Argentina, which is why they finished uh, so low. Um, but, you know, they do have talent, of course. They have James Rodriguez and uh, uh, Juan Cuadrado and Baca and uh, Jackson Martinez and all these players who can who can on, on a given night perform, and they can beat Argentina. But Argentina just has too much talent. They have Messi. They're solid in the back. Um, I think Argentina, Argentina wins 1-2-0. The other match on that side of the bracket is Brazil versus Paraguay. That's going to happen the day after tomorrow, Saturday. Yeah. Well, uh, Brazil, you know, Brazil are the favorites, and for good reason. Uh, they, have, uh, they don't have Neymar, unfortunately, but they have a lot of other talent, including Roberto Firmino, who's going to uh, Liverpool. Uh, starting next year. Um, but Paraguay is not an easy team to play. We saw that um, against Argentina. They were able to fight back for a draw. They frankly outplayed Argentina in the second half of that match in the group stage. So, um, you know, Paraguay, I, I'm actually going to take Paraguay in this game. I think Paraguay wins 2-1. to one. Uh, I just don't see Brazil doing it, especially without Neymar. But, uh, I mean, if Brazil wins, it won't be surprising. So with everything that we've talked about, the predictable final on July 4th in Santiago will be Chile versus Argentina. Yeah, that's, what, you agree with that? yeah that's, that's, that's what I think it will happen. And you predicted Chile to win the tournament. I mean, with Argentina having that much talent, especially up front, how do you think Chile is going to be able well, to handle Vid that? Vidal's been playing out of his mind. The defense has been playing well. Um, and they've been able to create a lot of chances. Argentina, you know, there's just something off about them in this tournament. Um, you know, they, they obviously have that draw against Paraguay. Uh, they just haven't looked great. I think Chile, with the fan support, um, with the whole nation behind them, I think they can, they can win. They can uh, win in Santiago in that final. Uh, quickly, we didn't mention it earlier. Um, there's a lot of other Women's World Cup games. Uh, what do you have to say in general about Well, the big one... Yeah, the big one in the quarterfinals is, uh, of course, Germany versus France. We kind of touched on that earlier. Um, it should be it should be a great match. Um, you know, Germany has a lot of attacking talent. Um, as does, uh, Germany has been absolutely fantastic in this tournament. But France um, is one of the best teams in the tournament. Um, then, you know, on the other side, that's on the U.S. side of the bracket with U.S. and China. Um, and then on the, on the other side, you have England versus the host nations, Canada. Um, England, uh, with a shock, 2-1 to one win against Norway. They went down 1-0 early and were able to come back. Uh, the first time they won, in, uh, won outside of the group stages in the Women's World Cup. Uh, Canada, another 1-0 victory. Have not looked great um, throughout the tournament. Um, but, you know, they have the talent. They have Sinclair. And, uh, you know, they have... They have a favorable draw against England. Uh, Japan and Australia are in the other quarterfinal on that side of the bracket. Australia with a shock win versus Brazil. Um, they looked really good in the tournament. Um, and I could see them actually coming out and being in the final. And it'd be interesting if the U.S. played Australia in the final, especially after uh, their group stage uh, encounter. And Japan versus Netherlands. Japan um, are looking fantastic. Netherlands score um, off a... Terrible goalkeeping error at the end, but they're already 2-0 up. You should 
everyone's been talking about this Japanese goal, amazing team goal. You need to look this up. I know you missed it. Um, but just the passing and the dummies uh, that led to an 18-yard strike were just great. Japan playing very, very well. Um, they haven't played their full-strength 11 yet, and all 23 players on the roster have played in this tournament already. So uh, they have depth. They can get it done. They look absolutely fantastic. And, you know, you get the sense that they're a little bit underrated, you know, even though they're the defending world champions. So I think they've undersold themselves on purpose. They said, oh, you know, this is a young team. We're not as good as we were. Um, they lost their captain, whose name es escapes me from last time. Uh, but I think they will... Uh-huh. Sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think they will beat Australia, and I think they will come out of that side into the, and be in the final once again. On to a new segment that we'll be implementing in the end of all of our future Soccer Brother podcast episodes. I'm, I'm actually going to stop you right there. We have two tidbits of breaking news. One, Clint Dempsey just apologized via Facebook. <laughs> I don't know what you think about that. He just said, I'm sorry about my actions. That's literally basically what he said. Um, secondly, and probably more importantly, is that Abby Wambach was issued a warning um, by FIFA for uh, criticizing the referee. And I know I touched on this earlier, um, but Christine Sinclair was actually suspended during the Olympics, the Canadian player, for criticizing the referee. So a lot of Canadian fans are up in arms about why Wambach isn't suspended, so, which is understandable. So uh, interesting news. We'll, we'll obviously monitor the situation as well. We'll... Yes, you will too. Uh, but, you know, just some news. All right, let's get back to the game. I'm sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're going to be implementing a game at the end of all these episodes where I uh, choose a player, and my brother doesn't know this player that, uh, ahead of time, and then I ask him three questions about that player. One, what do you think of his game? Two, where do you rate him in the pool right now? By the way, it's a U.S. national team player. And three, do you see him... On the, on the World Cup roster in 2018 in Russia. And then next episode, he'll be asking me the player, so we're going to switch it up. Yeah, And we might not always do U.S. national team players. Yes. Yeah. We, we might do uh, spe special episodes on certain topics like the Champions League. So in that case, maybe yeah. we'll mention Champions League. Also, what are we going to call this game? Do we have a name? Um, I guess we should... TBD. Okay. <laughs> to be determined. <laughs> All right. So... <laughs> To be determined. Okay. All right. What's the first play? So my player today is, we obviously saw him in the U20 World Cup, Tommy Thompson of the uh, San Jose Earthquakes. What do you think about him? Uh, very, very exciting prospect. Uh, not, the finish, not the finished player by any means. Very good, um, very good dribbler. Um, has some great touches. Um, and can, you know, he almost scored in that quarterfinal match against Serbia. Hasn't really broken through with San Jose yet. Uh, part of that has to do with Dom Kinnear. Um, who's the coach of San Jose, who's a much more conservative coach, who's playing people like Niasi over Tommy Thompson. But Thompson can play on the wing, he can play underneath the striker where he's much more comfortable. Um, but yeah, uh, he, he's definitely a player that can be a part of the national team going forward. He just has a lot more growing to do than some of the other attacking-minded uh, central midfielders in the U20 pool. Um, now, B, where do you rate him in the pool right now? Uh, I, I mean, he's nowhere near the full national team, um, but he's an exciting prospect. That's where I would put him. And then, finally, do you see him in the 2018 World Cup Russia squad? I could see it happening if he, you know, if he breaks through the next year and just uh, really works on his game, but I don't think he will. Um, I think there are too many players in that type of position who will, who will be there at that point. 
2022 is much more realistic for him. Yeah, I would agree. And with that, we're past 40 minutes now, so we're going to wrap up the episode. Um, if you have any comments or questions, you can leave them in uh, the comment area on SoundCloud. And we're probably going to be posting this on iTunes. Um, we haven't gotten the... We haven't gotten accepted yet. So we sent accepted. it in. Um, so hopefully we'll get accepted pretty soon. I read somewhere online it can be as quick as 30 minutes or as long as three weeks. Uh, so we don't really know what the timeline is for that. But we're excited to get on iTunes uh, fairly soon. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks. Uh, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>